Today, we're bringing you an episode of Tech Titans, and this one is a throwback from 2018. Douglas Terrier, the CTO of NASA, joined us in this episode to share his best advice on having a limitless mindset. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Tech Titans. What sort of project iteration practices do you have? How do you ensure the high availability systems? Like, Do you have any tips for us on that? A lot of our listeners make product. They make, whether it's hardware, firmware product, and they go through these life cycles. And sometimes they get a little a little crazy with pushing stuff too early. And <laughs> yeah, So, you know, the, the thing about, so spaceflight is, uh, I mean, it cannot be overstated. Spaceflight is the most challenging environment, period, right? Um, it's very, it's a very, very hard business. So, you know, as I said, I worked 20 years on stealth fighter technology at Skunkworks at Lockheed, right? which is pretty cool, pretty demanding. And that was an amazing experience for me. Um, I even at, even from the outside, I used to look at NASA and kind of obviously like most people admire what NASA was doing. Um, but I didn't appreciate until I became a part of this organization that it, the bar is a little higher, right? So the reasons, there are a couple of reasons. One is that the environment is the most challenging environment because it's a temperature pressure. It's a, you know, you, you, you know, re-entering a mock. So you fly a, a supersonics, aircraft at Mach 2, Mach 3, um, you know, at that 80, 90,000 feet, you're, you're really pushing the envelope, so to speak, right? That's not even, the that, that's a corner of the envelope in spaceflight where you're going to fly at Mach 25 re-entry speeds, temperatures outside approaching the surface of the sun, right? Um, and, you know, just to have any material, any system to survive in that environment is, is really difficult to explain just how hard that is to do from a physics perspective. We literally have one, one example that I think is really um, important to it, just to give you a, a sense of it, right? The temperatures inside a liquid oxygen, liquid hydrogen engine burning are much, much higher than the melting point of steel. But we build engine nozzles from basically steel, and we have a flame inside that's easily as a blowtorch that will melt through that in less than a second. And, and what protects that, that, the, that um, material from, that, that, uh, bur- you know, from burning through is a thin film of um, cooling film of liquid hydrogen, usually, or gaseous hydrogen. That's millimeters thick. And that's how precise the control is, and that's how small the margin is, right? So when you're operating an environment like that, there really literally is no room for error, right? And that's something you don't encounter in other systems. So back to your question, if you're designing a bridge, if you're not sure, use a safety factor too. You put twice the material that you need. And most people don't realize it, but build a structure of any kind building a bridge, do your calculations as well as you can, estimate the loads, and then you just won't fly by two. So you've got some pad there to ensure that you won't have a failure, right? If you build an aircraft, typically a safety factor of 1.4 is about all you can afford because it'll be just too heavy to fly. When you build a spacecraft, as an example, if you eat the movie The South this weekend, you know, first man with the arms found landing, we left the ground with about 6 million pounds of fuel. The eagle landed with about 10 seconds of fuel remaining. <laughs> Perspective, that's how razor thin the margin is, right? Point is, you can't pack, so you have to get it exactly right. With that being said, you know, so you don't have the advantage of just kind of adding more stuff or, you know, adding a redundant, more redundancy or more mass than you need. So what we have to do is a very, very stringent acceptance testing process to ensure that we know for a fact it's going to work every single time. And um, 
And that's, that's different than most industries that accept that testing, a very rigorous um, qualification environment is very different than most industries. And that's what I learned coming in this is the, the, the difference in margins and that because of that, the difference in how rigorous the testing has to be. That's interesting. I'm going to look for some, some books written by NASA related type project managers or engineers on how they, how they draw the line with how much rigor is too much rigor. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a process. You're exactly right, and and um, you know, the, the the important thing to realize is that you really. So there is a discussion about hey, are you being are you are you putting too much safety? You know, what is too much safety, right? Well, I think many of us who are involved in this, first of all, NASA is a is a very different culture than you may find other places because we don't have test pilots. We have astronauts who are part of the team who are. Whose kids go to school with my kids in Houston, with my my son, literally, right? Mm-hmm. Same churches, we go to the same baseball games on the weekend. So this is a family, and nothing. There is no higher value than safety here. None. Having said that, as I just mentioned, the margins are so thin that you have to be pretty. You have to really stress every possible, you know, analysis and test just to make it work. So I think it's actually not not realistic to say maybe you're being you put too much pad on it because there really isn't room for very much. We have to make sure it's in the right place to keep the system safe and there's just enough to make it work. I want to talk about some leadership stuff because I have you here and the way you speak and just knowing you, you're, you're a visionary and you're an exceptional leader. And so I've got to know with your team that you work with, how do you go about feedback and doing sort of your feedback loop with your current team about how you improve and how you give them feedback? Could you talk a little bit about that? That's a really good question because um, like with everything else, right, it's all about, it's all about the people. And I'll, I'll tell you something that, it's, that is a little different than maybe in other places, other, particularly in the commercial sector where I come from. When I took the job here, I'll share this with you. My, my boss at the time, this, the acting administrator at the time, called me in. And he said, hey, now I want you to know as a member of the senior leadership team. And he said something really interesting. He said, I want you to understand that I'm not actually measuring you from what you invent or what you do, um, you know, your personal technical accomplishment. I'm measuring you by how well you grow and mentor your team. And that's a very different way to think about leadership, right? And that's the way NASA thinks about leadership is empowering the team to be as great as, you know, as great as they can be. Because we have this... We have this incredible advantage that everybody wants to work at NASA. So you get the brightest and the best people. And, and really what you need to do is create the conditions for them to thrive and, the, and by definition, organizational thrive, right? The way we do that and have historically done that is really just to focus everybody on what we've been talking about, that audacious, inspirational mission. And as long as everybody can get their energies vectored around, well, everything you do every day is about enabling that mission to occur safely and productively. You could be pretty amazed at how much people can do if they're given a very precise um, mission and given that, you know, empowered to, to go do that. So one of the things we do in my group, just as an example, is we have, um, you know, we'll have a little retreat with the whole group and go off and take a day off and think about what our goals are in our particular organization and the technology investment world that we're, we're concerned with. But we try to talk about what, what is our, who is our customer and what is that customer value? And in our case, that's, you know, that's the leadership team and the mission that we're trying to accomplish. And we look at every single thing we do, every activity 
and we try to we try to analyze whether that's actually delivering value. And if it's not delivering value on that mission to that customer, then we don't need to do that. Or we look at how we can do that better in every one of our activities. And I think, you know, that's, again, that sounds pretty simple, but it's actually, right? right? It's everybody pretty clear on what the goal is and everybody will get behind that because we actually don't have the, the problem of trying to motivate people. We have extremely motivated people. We need to be able to, to challenge, to channel that motivation and have it aligned, unequivocally aligned, focused on the mission at hand and to give people the, all the tools they need to succeed. You went through like seven of my questions just there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so, you're, you're exactly right because it's like when you were talking about that, I imagined an astronaut being with their tube being hooked back up to an oxygen tank, like when you have that focus and I find myself as a leader of, of my team, we, we only have about seven people, but I find that whenever there's a disconnect, what I just have to connect them back to what we're actually doing because you get so lost in the details and they really don't matter. It also, when you have like what you said, that very clear mission and all those people marching towards that very specific goal it gives you certainty. It gives you confidence in knowing what to add or what to drop because you know your objective. And before it's like, well, you could add a feature or you could not, or you could do this, you could do that. But then now you have a system, like a filtration system of, of your goals and your, to align against, you have like a true north, right? For your, to, to tune your compass to. Now we talk a lot about that. We talk about alignment and integration, right? So it's like I said, it's, it's, it's about knowing where, if you know exactly what you're trying to accomplish, exactly what you're trying to value you're trying to deliver, then you have a way of measuring everything you're doing and seeing, does that really contribute? Is it, do it, can I do it better? But the second part, the part you said is really important. Are there things I can stop doing, right? If it really doesn't add any value. Can I stop doing that? And um, those are the harder conversations actually, because we kind of get, you know, whatever we're doing, we kind of get used to doing it a certain way. And and uh, just develop, you know, just kind of embrace the status quo, right? So we're constantly trying to look at how we can break that status quo. We're doing a, um, an event uh, at the end of November where we get the National Academies of um, Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine partnered with them to get our whole leadership team together for a day or two and talk about exactly this, you know, about exactly where we are, NASA are going, um, our future vision, and how we can kind of organize the whole team around enabling and inspiring everybody around that vision. So that's a work, it's a constant um, process and, and we keep working at it. I expected the leadership to be great, but it, <laughs> it was superb. <laughs> Thank you. Now, if you could go back to the beginning of your career and give yourself a piece of advice, what would that be? But only um, one piece of advice. Yeah. So, so the thing I, I actually have the opportunity not to myself, but to talk to a lot of younger folks coming into the business. Um, and this is going to sound a little, it's going to sound a little paradoxical, maybe. Um, a lot of what we do it, as you get older is we learn all the things you can't do because it didn't work out. Maybe you had a failure. Um, you kind of develop those scars and you develop, a, in fact, sometimes those become, um, officially incorporated in process documents and so on. Here's all the ways you can't do something. I tell people act like you don't know what can't be done. Just, just blow it up, try something. Right. And, and you know, there, now the cool thing is we have an organization where we can say that because we've got senior people that can actually oversight. 
right? You know, you, 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 you got to be careful. You don't do something dangerous. We talked about safety, but it's important to realize that the, the guys and, and, and women that you talked about in that film in hidden figures, um, a lot of those guys were in their twenties. There was no handbook on how to build a spacecraft. There was no database. There were no computers. There was no knowledge capture. They were doing stuff that had never been done. And a lot of what they did, they didn't know it couldn't be done. So they just did it, right? We're seeing that today in, in many parts of this industry. We continue to see that by you know, exciting developments that we're doing here at NASA with our, you know, a lot of our team in the development, advanced technology work. We see that companies like SpaceX and Blue Origin, where maybe these people aren't heritage space folks and they look at the problem from a different angle. They don't know you can't do it this way and they try something that hasn't been tried. And it turns out sometimes that works really well. So um, that's probably the advice that I'd give to any, you know, any person. It's just don't get so um, intimidated. It's really important to listen to legacy knowledge and to kind of take that seriously. But don't be afraid to try stuff, right? We've invented, you know, look, we've invented a whole new industry out in Silicon Valley in the last 20 years because there was no handbook. People just made stuff up. Everything you see on the internet, right? It didn't exist. And if you'd asked someone, you know, my age, I might have told you that you can't do that. Turns out you can't. And I, I like the leaders. Um, I had many mentors that, you know, I was, I learned program very young at the age of eight and then up through 13. And so hanging around my uh, father's office, I had some mentors that would teach me things about code. And, and I, I realized that there was a difference between the good ones and the not good ones. And I found that the good ones, they would know that something that I wanted to do wasn't possible with the code, or that was a little bit crazy, but they wouldn't say, no, it's not possible. They say, oh, give it a try. And then I'd get it. And then I'd get down a little bit. I'd learn something. And then I'd get down the road farther and I'd learn something. I, I would slowly learn why it wouldn't work. And I found that that almost can parallel or translate to even the enterprise thing where you find the more senior leaders, they in engineering, sometimes they might not just like slam it down so fast because they've had a, a career of finding out the things that they thought weren't possible were possible. So sometimes you let them walk the path if it's a uh, if you're up in the air about it. And, and I think that's one of the you know it's one of the most difficult balances to find, right? Because you know you, you alluded to this before. We have safety concerns if we've got you know a human crew, and even if it's a if it's a robotic mission, a you know, Hubble Space Telescope or something, or our James Webb. These are multi-billion-dollar investments, right? So, it's it's not okay to just try crazy stuff and we see if it's going to work, right? But but at the same time, you have to allow a pass for those crazy ideas because one out of ten of those might just be the answer you were looking for, right? So that, that you know, it, it, you, you ask kind of different parts of this question throughout the, the the talk here. It's important that you have an opportunity for for people to really innovate and try new ideas, but it's also important that you have in place a system that can rigorously, methodically, deterministically evaluate whether there's a problem there or a failure mode you didn't anticipate. So it doesn't make it onto the final vehicle, right? If there is a, is a, but at the same time, you want to give it a fair shot. 